0: Hi, welcome to our podcast series on security transformation in government, underwritten by Fortinet. I'm your host, Billy Mitchell. In our latest episode, we're talking about how federal and state agencies can better secure their systems and their users by adopting zero trust architecture and how agencies can gain traction over the short term. Our guest today is Jim Richberg, field CISO at Fortinet. Jim brings a unique perspective to today's discussion as the former National Intelligence Manager for Cyber in the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, where he set national cyber intelligence priorities. Before that, he monitored and coordinated implementation of the whole government comprehensive national cybersecurity initiative for Presidents Bush and Obama, and spent nearly two decades at the CIA in a variety of analytic, operational, and technical roles. Jim, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks, Billy. It's great to be with you again.
0: Absolutely. So, Jim, Zero Trust is a hot topic. We're hearing a lot about it on FedScoop and getting increasing attention from government policymakers, including NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, which recently released a proposed draft on Zero Trust architecture. So, just to set the stage, Jim, what do security professionals need to know about when we talk about Zero Trust?
1: So, Billy, uh, I wish they didn't use the term architecture here because zero trust is actually a philosophy. It's an operating principle that starts from the assumption that if a given device or user were compromised, what in turn could it access and compromise? It was coined as a way of describing the inadequacy of a network perimeter-based approach to cybersecurity and of horizontally flat access once you're inside the network. Zero Trust describes an approach for defense in depth. Don't trust by default. Always verify a request for access. Authenticate users and devices. Grant the least privilege necessary to the task at hand. In other words, practice digital need to know, log, and potentially inspect all network traffic. Let's be clear. Full Zero Trust implementation is difficult. It requires hardware, software, and business process changes, and if it takes too long to verify a request or if you set operating limits too narrowly, you create massive performance bottlenecks. But at its core, zero trust is a risk management philosophy, and managing risk doesn't require perfection.
0: Got it. Okay, so what can organizations who want to move in the direction of zero trust realistically do in the short term?
1: The challenges of zero trust as a goal or an end state are why there is increasing focus on intent-based segmentation, which is an architecture which can be implemented more feasibly. It defines a user's access and activity based on business needs or intent. This can be done in static fashion, For instance, setting up your network to create internal segments corresponding to parts of an organization or business roles for particular classes of users. Segmentation can also be done dynamically, for instance, recognizing that when I am using an email application, my organization might want to let me see address data for any user in the company so that I can communicate with them, but that when I open our payroll app, I probably should be limited to seeing only my own data. Dynamic segmentation is a powerful way to implement Zero Trust. But implementing it relies on having timely and granular visibility and control of network activity. And typically, this means the use of a next generation firewall. To step back for a moment, understanding what a firewall does is conceptually pretty simple. It blocks certain types of network traffic and allows other types. When it comes to determining what types of traffic are OK and which should be blocked, one way is to categorize traffic according to IP address, port number, and service protocol. If you categorize traffic in those ways, you're operating at layer three of the OSI, or Open Systems Interconnection, model of communications. You're allowing or blocking individual network packets, depending on where they originate and which ports they want to talk to. The other common approach to firewall management involves sorting traffic according to which application or application service the traffic is trying to reach And making decisions about whether to allow a request based on what the packet contains, not just the port it's trying to reach. If you don't have that kind of firewall capability, you really can't do dynamic segmentation. And to do it well, you want a firewall that has additional or next-generation capabilities, such as identity management and access control. In intrusion prevention service, and the ability to act on threat intelligence coming from other sensors and devices in the network.
0: And Jim, what are the key ingredients to implementing either a zero-trust philosophy or intent-based segmentation?
1: Billy, both zero-trust and intent-based segmentation rely on that combination of rapid and granular visibility and rapid and granular control which is typically powered by security hardware, software, and network architecture. Functionally, you need to identify every request for network access. You need to authenticate the requester. Are you say who you say you are? You need to confirm the state of the device. Is this in fact what it purports to be? You need to validate the access per that policy and principle of least privilege and need to know basis. And you need to continuously log and monitor all activity in order to be able to detect anomalous behavior. Key to performing these functions is having a next-generation firewall as the core of your approach. It should, of course, be able to work at the application or OSI layer seven, as I've already described. It serves as the enforcement engine for identity management, for access management, and for micro-segmentation by device and macro-segmentation by networks. These types of segmentation are sometimes referred to as east-west traffic between devices and north-south traffic across network perimeters. The firewall should be able to look at encrypted network traffic in near real time, since a best practice is to encrypt data in transit, and most internal network traffic is now encrypted. However, if your firewall is unable to read this traffic without slowing data throughput, throughput, and many firewalls are currently slowed down by as much as 90% when dealing with encryption, then you're either introducing an unacceptable performance bottleneck that frustrates the users or more likely the network administrators will turn off inspection of encrypted traffic and therefore security is blind to the contents of most of the data flowing through the network. In full disclosure, there is a third option, buy more firewalls, but that's not a viable alternative for most organizations and certainly not for government customers.
0: And as we come to a close here today, what is your advice to an organization who can't make the move to zero trust right away, but still wants to maximize their security?
1: Billy, that's a great question. The trendy new label, zero trust notwithstanding, the reality is that many organizations have already begun implementing key facets of the zero trust philosophy, such as static segmentation of their network architecture and predetermined policies that grant different levels of access and privilege to different classes of users, such as visitors and contractors. To the extent that business needs an intent, can be defined in advance, you can do a fair bit of basic zero-trust implementation by smart network architecture and access control policies. However, threats and mission requirements are dynamic, and the challenge lies in taking zero-trust to the next level through implementation of more powerful capabilities such as dynamic segmentation and dynamic access control. Doing that requires a next-generation firewall, which means if your organization currently doesn't have those, you'll probably wanna synchronize your further migration towards zero trust with your broader IT and security modernization plans.
0: Great points, Uh, and that's all we have time for today, but uh, Jim Richburg, thanks so much for joining us to talk about IT modernization and security.
1: Thanks, it's been my pleasure, Billy.
0: And thanks again to Fortinet for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage on security transformation and government on fedscoop.com and statescoop.com or subscribe to our FedScoop and Statescoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher,
1: Google Play, and TuneIn.